This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. We've been doing a series on Ten Commandments now for nine weeks. We're on week nine. And uh, when I chose uh, Bear False Witness, I thought, okay, I'll talk about um, gossip and... Uh, That'll be that. And got into it and found out, wow, there's a lot more to this than just gossip. So um, here's what we're going to do. At the top of your notes, you've got an area to fill in. We're going to start here. We're going to start here with filling in what the ninth commandment is. And uh, I'm going to read through the other eight here real quick, just so we remember. Uh, But number one, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not, number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath. And number four, keep it holy. I learned a lot that week. Uh, <laughs> uh, five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not kill. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. And nine comes from Exodus 20, verse 16. It's a few different ways you hear it said. Uh, I'm going to read one, and then the other one Carmen's going to have up on the screen. And uh, you can put that up, Carmen, the first one. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's one way you hear it. Another way you hear it is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Either way, don't not tell the truth. Don't lie against your neighbor, right? No matter how we cut it. Uh, let's, uh, Let's pray this morning first before we... Start talking too much, right? <laughs> Usually a good idea. Right, pray with me. Father, thank you for being in this space this morning. Thank you for your kindness, your gentleness. Thank you for your truth. Uh, we pray that uh, that is all we speak this morning is just truth. And uh, bring your spirit upon this place. Rest it here so that we may um, uh, delight in that truth this morning. Pray for the words I speak. It will be glorifying to you. May they rest on hearts and ears and minds that are open to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go through a few things. We're going to say, what is it? What does this commandment mean? Just basic, all right? What does it mean? Next thing we're going to go through is, okay, if if this is what it means, then what do I do with it, right? How does it apply here and now to me now, right? Next one is, what do I do if, if it confronts me? What do I do? What do I do if it confronts me? That's the next thing. All right. So what is it? What is this commandment? Just in very basic terms, very literally, what is it? It kind of has a legal tone to it, doesn't it? Should not give false testimony or bear false witness. It has a legal tone to it. If you think of witnesses, how many people watch CSI? Things like that. I just like a witness. Man. Yeah. All right. The witness is the legal system for the most part. All right. Uh, the enforcement for all the other commandments happen through witnesses, generally speaking. So in the Old Testament, you had to have two witnesses to uh, accuse someone of a crime. Two. You had to have two. Uh, nowadays, witnesses account for a really large amount of convictions. Uh, they are the basis for the legal system. 
But really what a witness does, if you think about what a witness does, they place someone at a certain point in time in a story, don't they? Any of you played Clue before, the game Clue? Yeah, it's like, I don't remember the name, Suppressor Porkchop killed whatever, you know, somewhere, right? Clue. Uh, that's what a witness does when it says, I saw so-and-so over here doing this in legal terms. They're a witness. And they're critical to justice system, very critical. And a lot of it, enforcement depends on a witness. And civil enforcement, that kind of thing. But we come to find out that witnesses aren't always accurate, are they? Sometimes a witness will lie. Sometimes a witness will make up their own story. They're not always accurate. Came to find this out in the, uh, did some research about uh, false witnesses in legal terms. And uh, in 1990 was the advent or really the confirmation that the whole DNA testing process worked. So they rolled it out in the justice system. And now, 1990 on, DNA plays a major role. You can tell, okay, yeah, they said they did it, but there's no confirmation, okay? But from 1990, and, and I don't know this gap, I, I didn't write that down, but there were 324 people exonerated for crimes that they had committed. They were serving different sentences in jail. Some were on death row even, All right? Of 324 people, 73% of those exonerated were convicted primarily due to eyewitness testimony. Somebody saw them do it. They were convicted based on eyewitness testimony. 73% come to find out they had nothing to do with it. So there is a false story, right? There's a false story, a story that's not true. This DNA test thing would lead to scientists saying, wait a second, uh, if 73% of these people were convicted due to false testimony, then there must be a lot of other people sitting in prison Two that were convicted of false testimony. How is it that people don't remember what happened? They did some tests on the human mind, and they found out that our minds and memories can be manipulated with different inputs. So uh, they took around 100 people and uh, had them write all their life experiences down and kept track of it and uh, made very detailed notes about their life experiences. And then they watched a... Uh, a relative for each one of these people was interviewed and gave their take on what they think their background was. So if you, your mom, if my mom would give a background on my life, okay? But then they threw in something, each person threw in something that wasn't actually true. My mom would say something that actually didn't happen, okay? Just, this is the, the test, the variable in the test, right? Around a quarter of those people, when they were re-interviewed, said, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember what I was wearing that day. I remember how it smelled. I remember everything about that day in great detail. But it never really happened. Just based on an input, our, our memory can be distorted. Very false witness. What does a witness do? Get out of this portion. What does a witness do? They place someone at a point in time in a story that's what they do. But the, the justice system isn't the only place we see witness. It's not the only place where witnesses shackle in prison or we imprison ourselves and others. Have you, have you ever believed something to be true? Then you find out later that it wasn't true. 
Anybody have those? Like, what? You tell me that's not true. <laughs> There's some funny ones. I looked up uh, some things that people had believed over time. And uh, this one uh, girl believed that, uh, you know, there, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can get salt from salt caves, like in the ground. They dig for salt in a salt cave. She thought there were sugar caves also. Somebody had told her that as a kid, and she believed in sugar caves, and I uh, always dreamed how amazing that would be in a sugar cave. When she was 25 years old, she was uh, fighting or arguing with her husband over sugar caves, and she said, I was on my fourth page of a Google search when I realized that sugar caves did not, in fact, exist. Right? <laughs> That's funny. When I was a kid, I had a, a, a fear or a belief that I would put... Uh, that. If I was sleeping at night, somebody would put something in my ear for some reason. I don't know why I thought that, but it was a belief I had that that's what, this was definitely a depository for bad things at night. That's why this had to be. So <laughs> I would cover my ear up like this, and I wouldn't sleep unless I had my ear covered up. So I still sleep with my ear covered up. But <laughs> uh, yeah, there were some other ones. So late, one girl said uh, she firmly believed that the only reason people would wear hats as if they were bald, because her dad was bald and he wore a hat. So there was a funny, this one is, uh, this gentleman said uh, that he believed that being named Johnny was a sin. He thought that. He said it was due to the part of the song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. How many of you know that song by Charlie Daniels? Said, my name's Johnny and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet, was the line of the song. So the guy instantly associated the name with being a sin and not making bets with the devil, right? <laughs> so he said, this made me think kids named Johnny had to have parents that must have been evil worshippers or devil worshippers or something. Right? Not true though, right? Not true. They're not true. Uh, sometimes we believe things like that that are funny, uh, interesting, weird. wonder how we think that. And sometimes we believe things that are kind of destructive. They're serious. We believe things people say we believe things that are told about us. We believe things we think. We believe uh, things happen to us in certain ways, for certain reasons. Have you ever thought, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Eh. Or, you know, what they said about me was, that was true. That was true. We believe lies. We believe lies. Right? If I had that, I would be happy, or they got it on easy street. Look at them. Right. So the story we bear, even though, yeah, I believe that, uh, you know, if I truly believe that people put things in my ear at night, I would carry that around and wonder why you all aren't putting things over your ear at night. You should wear earmuffs if you cared about your safety, right? <laughs> okay, It's a story I bear. I believe it. I believe it to be true, so I carry it, and I give it to you, right? And so what we do is stories that we believe are true. We carry them, we bear them, we share them. But here's the thing. A true belief in a false story doesn't make it true, does it? A true belief in a false story doesn't make it true. You can believe in sugar caves. That's great, but sugar caves don't exist. I could believe that... Uh, People putting things in my ear at night was true, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's people walking around at night, right? Just because we have a true belief doesn't mean the story is true. 
You with me so far? Yeah? Cool. Cool. So looking at that, I started to think, oh, why do we lie? Why do we lie? Uh, Carenza, our sweet, beautiful nine-month-old, is already kind of like, you can tell. She, she, if she could talk, she would lie about things. She would say, I'm not going to the, to the fireplace to pull on. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go try to run down the stairs. Uh, right? <laughs> she would if she could. But that, that it, exists, it exists within us uh, to lie. But why do we? Uh, one research study, this is actually a Christian study, showed that 75% of the time when we lie, it's to protect ourselves from something or it's to gain something that's not ours. So to protect ourselves from something or gain something that's not actually ours. Those are the main reasons. And I would have to agree. Sometimes I lie. To protect ourselves or to gain something that's not ours. I'm an exaggerator. Is anyone else an exaggerator? Yes. <laughs> I exaggerate. My dad told me, if I told you once, I told you a million times, don't exaggerate. And it, apparently it's genetic. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but I exaggerate. And Aaron, my wife, will look at me. Sometimes I'll say something, you know, and she'll go this, like this look. Like, hmm. Like, okay. Yeah, that was minus 50%. It's like a rule. You take 50% off uh, from what the story says. The fish was this big, not this big. <laughs> Why do we lie? Why am I doing that? I'm trying to gain the approval of others, which isn't mine, is it? Like, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Protect ourselves. Sometimes we're trying to protect ourselves from the sin that we've found ourselves in. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to protect ourselves from people finding out. So we lie, lie, lie like crazy. All kinds of reasons why we lie. But generally speaking, it's to protect ourselves or to gain something that's not actually ours. I would say that's true. I'm going to do some doodling today. And uh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> uh, I teach seventh graders on Wednesdays, and uh, they laugh because I doodle all day long on a whiteboard, and they can't read one bit of what I write on there. Um, so, like, Mr. Doug, you need to work on handwriting. It's true. All right. But bearing false witness is more than just telling a lie. It's more than just telling a lie. It's carrying a story with us. We're carrying something we're of something that we're portraying to, to, to others and ourselves, for that matter. So we create this cycle. It's almost like a cycle of bearing false witness. We're bearing it. We're carrying it from place to place, from person to person. And it creates this cycle. And I'm going to try to draw it best I can. But uh, this is what I see. And uh, hopefully I'll put this close enough to where you can see it too. There we go. All right. So we start off. We have, and you can, I left a bunch of room on your notes, like at the bottom, a blank space, open space to draw pictures like this. Uh, we start with ourselves, and here we are. We're on our own like that. There's us. And we, by nature, we're broken, aren't we? I think we're, we're broken. So we're broken. So here's us, and we are broken. I'm going to put, actually, don't do that. Put broken here. Broken. That's probably not big enough to see that one. I'll do a better next one. But we're broken. 
Carrying a false story means our tendency is to, if I'm broken, I'm going to break others. That's what our tendency is to do. If I feel here, the only way for me to feel better is for others to feel lower. That's, that's a tendency. If I'm broken, I will break others. I am broken, and I have broken others. This is a, a natural thing. Sometimes what I say, sometimes it's what I do. But if I'm broken, I will break others. All right? So broken, break others. Break others here. Okay? And what have I now just done? I have included more than just me in this process. I have included other people who are now being broken by me. Right? I'm broken, so I break others. Sometimes, again, is what we say. Sometimes it's what we do. Either way, it's about the story that we carry. If our story is about our brokenness, we will break others. That's what happens. And because of the hurt that we cause, I'm going to make this a lot, sir, because I go a lot bigger than I'm right bigger. Because of the hurt that we cause, we have, and I'm going to draw a big old sad face here. Sad face. Okay. If we are broken and we are making others broken, are we happy? No. I've never felt good about making someone else feel bad, even when I thought I was. I've never felt good about making other people feel bad. Our brokenness and breaking others, bearing false witness, here's another way to look at it. There is the truth, okay? There's a lie. Then there's also another area of bearing false witness, which is not accepting or not inviting, or not letting the truth enter a situation. That's also bearing false witness, okay? Uh, moments of life when I have been at the peak, the pinnacle of my life of bearing false witness. My goal was to hide everything under the sun from everyone that I could. And not let the truth in just a little bit. That was the goal. That's what we have to do. Otherwise... Our identity kind of goes away. We find identity in brokenness. We find identity in those things. And if it goes away, people find out who we really are. It's all over. It's all over. I'm not who I am anymore. Huh. What would I do? <laughs> right? We're so scared. We're, we're fearful of the truth. Okay? When we say, uh, how are you doing? How are you? How are you? How are you? What do we all say? Fine, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, in other words, don't let the truth in. Uh, and sometimes I get it. We we don't want to have that big conversation, right? I understand. Another way to look at that is I'm not doing great. Can I talk to you about that sometime? Can I talk about it sometime later than right now in the hallway? Right? <laughs> but how are you doing? Uh, the truth is different than fine, generally. If you'd ask me how I'm doing, <laughs> I'm always the crier, right? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Tired. Very tired. Fatigued. Yeah. I'm tired. But God is good. Yeah. Don't ask me how I'm doing after church, please. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But Here's, 
we ignore these things. We don't let truth in. We find identity in these things. And we have unforgiveness. Unforgiveness and unrepentance. Unrepentance. Unforgiveness and unrepentance. What does that mean? That means we are choosing to hold on to somebody hurting us or we are choosing to believe that we're right in any situation. Unforgiveness sounds like forgive them. I'm not forgiving them. Do you know what they did to me? I'm not forgiving them. Uh-uh. No. They were a jerk then. They're a jerk now. I'm not forgiving them. They haven't repented, right? It's unforgiveness. Unrepentance means I'm not saying sorry. Mm-mm. No way. Putting our foot in the ground on that one. Unrepentance, unforgiveness. What it really means is there's a lack of submission. Submission. All right. Submission to God and others, lack of, lack of submission to God and others. Unforgive, unrepent. When we do that, what happens with unforgiveness? We carry it. If we do not forgive, we carry it. We're choosing to carry it. We're choosing to take it with us wherever we go. All right? What happens when we take something with us, it becomes our story that we share. Unrepentance is the same thing. Same thing. We're choosing to carry it along with us. It's part of our identity. And when it becomes part of our identity, now we have more people here, by the way. Um, draw more people right here. Yeah, more people. But when we have that identity, now we find ourselves committed to this. We find ourselves committed to it. And if we, re- if we forgive and we repent, uh, then all of a sudden those things that happen to us, we can no longer blame for doing the things that we do. Right? If we repent about something, then we can no longer carry that with us. And now our identity is somehow shaken now. Identity. That says identity, by the way. (laughs) That right there says identity. I should have made this left-handed. Identity. We find our identity. Unforgiveness, unrepentance, submission. We find our identity here. And we've got our identity in the brokenness. It's hard to let truth in because that's where we hide. That's where we hide. I was here too. My identity was there. I, did, I didn't know how good truth was at all. But that was where I found identity. So if she finds that thing, I'm not that anymore, right? Now the truth is out. Everybody knows how bad I am now, right? If she finds that thing, if he knew about that, oh man, everything would fall apart. They knew about that. And so it becomes our identity. It becomes what we think about when we wake up. It becomes what we think about. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. But the first thing I thought about when I woke up was how to not let people find out about this. Hmm. Identity. So, two goals with untruth are to protect, 
right? And to gain. Gain. I think we see kind of why we lie. Now here, all these things, we are in the cycle. We're in the cycle, all right? What is the next thing we do here? When it's our identity, it just keeps going around and around and around. And around and around we go, okay? I, that marriage got broken. I'll start a new one, right? This person will be better. Unforgive, unrepent. Hmm. Identity. Okay. There's a different way, though. There's a different way to look at this, isn't there? There's, I call them exit ramps. There's exit ramps or ways to get out of the cycle, to break the cycle. By the way, when you break the cycle, you break it for your kids and everybody. You break it for everybody. But look, everybody, generations to come, you're breaking it. You're breaking it, baby. All right? <laughs> That's cool. All right. So how do we do that? How do we break the cycle? How do we break the cycle? A lot of it starts in our mind. Okay? In our mind. Our mind. You have, we have to sometimes make a decision to want to be out of the cycle. We have to decide we want to be. We have to choose that we want to be, right? Instead of broken, being broken and breaking others, our story becomes, I was broken, then I met Jesus. Okay? But we gotta let him in first, don't we? That becomes our story. That's a true story. I was broken, then I met Jesus. Okay. Here, unforgiveness and unrepentance. We submit. We submit. I had to start a new page. That's what I should do. Uh, but we submit. So let's do it this way. Let's start a new page. And we still have us up here. All right. Still have us. But now our brokenness, what was broken is now fixed becomes the new story, new story, all right? New story. You have to do this, though, here. You have to let the truth in a little bit. You have to let the truth in a little bit. For your brokenness to be fixed, for it to Jesus to come in, the truth to come in, you have to crack the door a little bit. And when you do, the truth washes in. You can't stop it. It washes in. It washes in. You tell her where that bottle's at, the truth washes in. It just floods everything. And you're like, I should have done that years ago. Yes, you should have. <laughs> it just is. Uh, I've been there. Oh, man. The truth washes in. And now your story changes from broken to fixed. The story you're bearing now changes. So uh, here are more people, right? Guy at work, great lady at work, whatever it is. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Open the door a little bit. Truth washed in. Changed everything. Right? Next step. We have, we submitted this time to all those things that we hold, that we carry as our story. We submitted and we forgave. We forgave that person who did unthinkable things to us. We forgave. Right? We said sorry for doing something at the time we felt was absolutely right. We said sorry. We repented. 
repent. I'm sure you can read this well. Uh, but we submitted, we forgave, repented. Then our story becomes totally different. I was broken. Jesus came. I repented. I forgave. I don't have to carry that anymore. Right? Next, we don't have isolation. Previously, we were isolating. The fewer people around, the better. The fewer people to find out all my stuff, right? We're going to isolate. And we're, when we're in the cycle of that, we're going to isolate. Here, we're looking for community. Community. I am about as introverted of a person as you can ever imagine. And <laughs> this is a growth thing for me still. But uh, a couple weeks ago, I was excited about Life Group. I was excited about it. That's a big step. And, and I know it sounds bad, but I was excited about it because I'm so introverted. But I was excited because it's real. It's true. It's real. It's true. It feels good. It's not judgy. Like, they're not judging how clean my floors are. Right, Aaron? <laughs> they don't care. Right? It's just comfortable. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, look for community. All right? Community. And around and around we go. Now, all of a sudden, your story is different. What you carry is different. And that's where generations change with the truth. With the truth. What do you have to do to start getting out of the cycle? Let the truth in just a little bit. Just a little bit. But you got to do it. A little bit. Just a little. All right. How much? Just a little bit. <laughs> Good. <laughs> So how does it? How does it sound? How do we know if we're in the cycle or out? Because sometimes I'm still I'm still on this page, wondering what in the world did I say? What, what? How did I get this so far off? Right? Again, wherever we're at is a step we take. Unforgive. I need to forgive. Right? I need to let the truth in. Whatever it is. Right? We're never like. So you know, I'll flip it back to the good page. There we go. But how do we know? How do we know if we're in or out? Sometimes we can tell by what things sound like. All right? Things are not go from I hurt so I hurt others to God restore me and he can you too. Right? I believe my experience to be the truth. It's kind of a lie. I believe my experience to be a truth. We just heard studies will tell you our memory isn't very good. All right? My experience to be the truth. No, I believe that God is truth. My experience with him is true. That's the real story. That's the story. Another lie we tell ourselves is, if I told people the truth, I'd lose everything. Boy, you don't have anything yet. Don't have anything yet. It's coming. Let the truth in a little bit. Here's, I, was, uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time reading in the book of Titus. I just don't, for whatever reason. But... In pondering through the book of Titus, uh, actually this morning, I found this. And this is, uh, talk about bearing a true witness, carrying, carrying the witness with you. Uh, truth comes from the word, and we have to have it in for it to come out. One part, God and truth, and the other part, my experience. What does it sound like? In Titus 3, verses 3 through 7, and this won't be on the screen because uh, I didn't pre-load uh, that, but um, Titus 3, 3 through 7, 
It says this, talk about a true story. It says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, and led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. We, we were hated by others, and we were hating one another. But when the goodness of God saved us, when the goodness, sorry, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but because of works done, uh, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, that's a good witness. Somebody asked me, how are you? I would love to have that in my head, right? I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read it correctly without jumbling up. <laughs> it says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, and led astray. In other words, in the cycle, in lies, we were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. We were hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, again, nothing we did, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Wow. What do you relate to? What do you relate to? Where are you in the story? What story are you carrying? What story are you carrying now? What story have you carried? I can certainly relate to about everywhere on both pages, probably, during different times. God wants you part of this story. He wants you part of this story. To be part of it, we have to let the truth in a little bit. And that's not easy, but it's great. It's beautiful. Truth in a little bit. I have the artist come back up. We're going to, uh, we have communion today, Lord's table today. And uh, it's a time to share and reminding ourselves of the true story, the real story this morning. Um, have, any of you, have any of you heard of uh, Fanny Crosby? Have any of you heard of Lady Fanny Crosby? She was uh, uh, born in late 1800s in New York City area. And uh, when she was six months old, she had a fever, bad infection. And a doctor came and... The remedy at that time was he put some stuff on her eyes, turned out it would make her blind. And then they find out that he wasn't actually a real doctor to begin with. He was an imposter. He never went to med school. Uh, he had about, uh, like, no education. Uh, so this imposter guy made her blind for pretty much her entire life. She was a year old. Her dad dies 
And uh, she was raised mostly by her grandmother because her mom had to work uh, most of the time. She was raised mostly by her grandmother who was a Christian and uh, would read scripture to Fanny all the time. So much so that Fanny would have scripture, large portions of the Bible completely memorized, including all the gospels, everything. She had the truth in her, literally in her. She would go on, uh, blind Fanny <laughs> would go on to do um, extraordinary things. One of those was she was the most prolific writer of hymns and poetry and Christian music and lyrics, uh, writing over 9,000 different songs. A lot of, most of you have sung her song. Uh, 9,000. She wrote six or seven a day. Six or seven a day. And they were published, and uh, she got paid for this, but she chose to live in the, the slums of New York next to the bars and the strip clubs and those kinds of things. She chose to live there. At the end of her life, uh, she seems kind of fiery to me. I like her. Uh, at the end of her life, there was a, a guy who wrote a biography about Fanny's life. And uh, in there, he put how poor she was and how she lived here and she helped people. It was a good story, but, you know, the publishing company that she worked for didn't like it because it made them look bad. All right, made them look bad, that they weren't paying her enough that she could get a decent place to live. So they almost sued the guy anyway. Uh, it brought out a lot of critics about Fanny, this publicity. And uh, some said that her songs were gawkishly sentimental and uh, rubbish, and, right? Beautiful songs. Her response to one critic, uh, she was interviewed by a place, uh, a newspaper of sorts, and they asked her a question about this, her songs and the critics. And she said, her response was, I may be old-fashioned, but I pray before every time that I sit down to write a lyric or song, I pray. That was her answer. That was her answer. She wasn't buying in to the false. She was carrying the story, the story, the right story. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.